In this episode, we talk LX spy shots, the global chip shortage, and Michael's experience with both the RC350 and IS500, this week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of LexusEnthusiast.com. Joining me is Michael Pannone, executive editor of the site. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Kevin, I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a pretty lazy summer uh, for me, particularly this month. It has been pretty relaxed. So excited for it to be September. So we get back to a little bit of normal life. And yeah, like it's been, it was good. I had a vacation and I think uh, been doing a lot of renovations around the house. So how about you? What have you been up to? It's been good. Yeah. I mean, I know it's been a little, we're a little bit off the usual podcast schedule, but you know, it's been busy. Like everything has been good. It's been nice to be out and around and spending some more time with friends and family. It's also been nice spending more time with cars that Lexus has sent us, which I'm also very thankful for. You know, I went through the like two day process of installing a graphene coating on my GX, which was fun. Hmm. So how does that go? Uh, Is it like a, is it a paste or? Yeah. So because my car is pretty new, obviously I've only had it since April and I only have about 2000 miles on it. Uh, I didn't have to go through the full paint correction before doing it, but that's, you know, technically you're supposed to do a paint correction if you need it before Mm -hmm. you install it. You know, I had to go through the process of like strip washing my car to get old ceramic and products off of it. Oh, the old Dawn wash. Exactly. You have to make sure that the finish of your car is really as perfect as possible because the graphene coating is supposed to be like seven years. So I don't know if it will actually last that long, oh, but wow. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to make sure that the finish was as nice as it could be before I installed it. So you do that. And then it took me a couple hours. So I installed it in one night, but then the next day I kind of went back and corrected some high spots. And the kit that I bought was from Adams and they also send you a black light with it because the black light helps you see spots that you've missed. So oh, okay. then it was like day two was kind of going around the car and making sure that I have like the coverage even and everything looked good. So I did that. And I have to say, like, I, you know, I love to detail and I've used a bunch of different ceramic products, but I have to say like this one has been really good. I mean, it's been raining here like every other day. There's been a lot going on and uh, my car still looks brand new, which is really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So like the beating and, and the protection of it must be, it's definitely a higher level than, than the ceramic stuff. Yeah, it is. And the, I mean, you know, sometimes I think no matter if you use a really good product, you know, if it's raining, sometimes just like the grime that is in the water water will sit on your paint after the water yeah. evaporates. The nice thing about this has been like actually even with the rain and everything else, I don't know how but my car still looks clean. Like there's no crap on it that's like leaving a residue after oh, the rain evaporates. Awesome. Yeah, and I mean the other reason we uh, haven't really recorded much is uh there hasn't been a lot of news to talk about, but right now we do have a couple stories that we can kind of get into. Uh starting off with the new LX spy shots that came out this week, showing off a camouflaged prototype. We believe it's the LX. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people have weighed in and thought perhaps it was the TX, but despite the camouflage, it really does match the size and shape of the 
new Land Cruiser. Yeah, I, I think so too. There was when those shots came out, there was a couple people saying, "Oh, it's actually the new Sequoia, or it's the GX, or it's the Forerunner, or it's the LX, or the TX." I heard, I saw all of those. Look, I guess it could still be any of them, but just like you said, when you look at the shape of it being a little bit more upright, and you look at the shape of the greenhouse and you know the ride height and things like that, to me, it definitely seems like a body on frame SUV, yeah. and it just seems most logical, I think, for it to be the LX at this point, because, you know, we don't know for sure, but that's probably going to be the next vehicle reveal from Lexus, I would think. Well, yeah, I mean, we're currently in the middle of our IS 500 coverage, which we'll get to later. Um, Mm -hmm. The NX is coming up and it definitely does look like the next vehicle from Lexus is going to be the LX. So it does make sense that there is some prototypes driving around Long Beach, California. I'm surprised that they're not in Texas, but uh, (laughs) I mean, if I could test drive anywhere, I suppose it would be California too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you know that, uh, Kevin, we've talked about it before, but that Land Cruiser updates Instagram account. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Where all the leaks have come from. I think they're based in the Middle East, if I'm not mistaken. But um, like two or three weeks ago, we posted that picture that was, I think, actually the first leak of the new LX. And <laughs> yes. it, you, you had you had yeah. to really be looking at it the right way to uh, make sure <laughs> to know what you were looking at. And I, I get that. Like the picture was very obscure. It was at night. The car was at the top <laughs> of the frame. Like it would have been a lot. Anyway, they've had a couple really interesting renders, too. We've, we shared one of them. Mm-hmm. But I don't right. know. It just seems like we're in that cadence of LX news is starting to trickle out and renders are starting to happen. So you always wonder if perhaps the automaker starts to seed the, the, these kind of leaks. Um, I don't know necessarily that Alexis is doing that, but it definitely does feel like, okay, all right, now we're into the LX. And it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting uh, that Lexus has decided to go with this uh, light bar design. I mean, it's very striking on the on the NX. I really do like it on the NX, and and it stands to reason that the LX is going to be very similar in um, implementation. But it's funny because when you look at the renders, and we there was another render uh, from an Instagram artist. I don't recall yep. his name offhand, but it showed like the back, and it really did look like a Dodge Durango. Yeah, and I just wonder. I don't know <laughs> if that's necessarily the best look, but I mean, at the same time. It's pretty distinctive within the luxury realm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that we'll see, you know, it depends on where they do a lot of the final testing. But I think, you know, I have a feeling that some of the LX stuff could follow the same sort of rhythm as the Land Cruiser. Like if they start, you know, having prototypes out that they're running and doing desert testing on and things like that, and they come out of, you know, that same processing Mm -hmm. facility, I think we might start seeing more LX sometime soon (laughs) so so we'll see i hope so i'm excited i'm ready to see it i mean this is going to be a big moment for lexus right like yeah in all of the years that you and i've been following the brand the ls has been the pinnacle and the ls has been like okay what happens with the ls is what we can expect to see everywhere else and we live in an suv world now so i'm hopeful that this new lx is going to set the tone for lexus and it's going to be what the ls used to be well, the thing that's crazy to me about the LX is I started the site Lexus Enthusiast in 2007, and I have never covered an LX launch. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's bonkers to me. For 14 years, and 
I mean, it just goes to show just how how much work goes into one of these models. That it, it's not as though Lexus or Toyota is like, oh, we're 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 lazy. We don't want to make a new LX. Mm-hmm. It's they really do engineer them to have this kind of product life cycle. So really excited to be part of that. I'm really excited to test drive it. And I mean, really excited to see it. The funny thing, though, is that we might not see very many uh, new cars at all, considering (laughs) this new chip shortage that's happening. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great segue, by the way. Um, Oh, yeah, thanks. It's It's a really good point. I was chatting with a friend at, at Toyota when it came out. I, I, I said I mentioned to him, I was like, you know, hey, this is seems like Toyota's done pretty well so far, you know, during the pandemic and the shortage and has had plenty of chips on hand. But it seems like that's about to change. And this person quickly pointed out that that number is only for September. Actually, Toyota actually has their stockpile is still pretty good and their supply chain is pretty solid. It's just September that's going to be primarily impacted. I think you're still right. Like there's going to be downstream impacts of that. Yeah. So like just to kind of spell it out, Toyota announced uh, last week that they're going to go from 900,000 cars in September to 540,000 cars, which is a 40% decrease in production, a pretty major cut. And I wonder really how that's going to affect the launch of the IS500, the new NX. I, I wonder if if we'll even really see any major disruptions beyond September, like you said. So I guess not to get into the what I heard game again, but I heard that we would see the LX by the end of the year, but it would be on sale next year. So hopefully if that's the case, they can still show it this year and then we can work, you know, hopefully they can work on getting it out early next year. The crazy thing about what's happening with the pandemic is that we don't really have the kind of uh, singular events like auto shows that we're used to where we can say, oh, so in January of 2021 in Detroit, there's going to be uh, the new LX. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that the Detroit auto show has moved to the summer, but as an example, so it really is with these kind of with these launches, what we've seen is they just sort of come up. They just appear like um, it really does take away from the sort of the hype of, of, of the whole experience. You know, you know that an auto show is coming up. You've heard rumors that Lexus is going to come up with something new. So you kind of expect it to be there. Whereas like with the LX, they could just, it could just be a Thursday and they could just be like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're going to launch it online and, Very and here it is. Right. So like Lexus did a really great job with the NX, um, you know, teasing the NX. It was on like a biweekly uh, schedule where they were showing new images. They did that for about a month. And I imagine we'll see something similar with the LX. I hope so. I'm ready. Because we're going straight from the IS 500 right to the NX and then potentially right to the LX. Yep. And then the new ES in there somewhere too. Right. Or not, I should, I shouldn't say new. I'm overselling it a little bit. Yeah. Fresh. Yes. But you have in the last month been driving one of the older models in, in the Lexus lineup, the RC 350. How did you like it? I really enjoyed it actually. So I haven't spent much time in RCs. I think when they first came out, I briefly drove one 2015. I drove an RCF, but I haven't spent a lot of time in the RC. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it seems to me like of all the Lexus vehicles, the RC is one that has had a pretty rough (laughs) 
a pretty rough go from yeah, like, the that's, media, right? That's I mean, fair. There's, yeah. there's, there's always been this talk about like, I think the biggest thing that's always been stuck in my mind is like, oh, you know, the RC, it's like a Frankenstein car. It has the tub from the ISC, the previous generation, and it has, you know, the rear frame from an IS and the front frame from a GS. <laughs> so yeah. we've always heard this story of like the RCF and the RC have just been this sort of like hacked together car um <laughs> and you know, you know like in the beginning too when they first came out like they you know they were pretty heavy for what they are and now that they've been on the market for you know six years or whatever it is like now they're just as you know everything everything weighs four thousand pounds yeah so, that's fair so the yeah. rc is not that heavy anymore and over that time also lexus as they have done was sort of you know the philosophy of continuous improvement i mean they've made a lot of changes to the rc over the years in terms of you know transmission tuning and suspension changes and things like that. So anyway, I say all of that because when Lexus mentioned that they were going to give us an RC, I was sort of like, hmm, okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so, so a couple of things. I don't know why it was an F sport. And I assumed for some reason that when it showed up, it was going to be like black. Cause I just think sporty, I guess I think like black or gray. Right. So the car showed up and it was infrared, yeah, which beautiful. is one of my all time favorite Lexus colors. And it had the white, uh, the white and the white new Lux interior. <laughs> So they then the service is great. Like Lexus has an amazing team. They bring it to your house. They pull it in your driveway. And I, so I walk out and I see this infrared RC 350 F Sport. And I really was like, damn, yeah. <laughs> that is a hot looking car. Like it looks really, really, really good. And uh, I, I don't know that I've always like paid that much attention to the RC. And then I know that the refresh model, I think, has only been out, you know, like a year and a half now. And there's not a whole bunch of them around. So anyway, I, I was like looking at it in my driveway. And I mean, you have the split five spoke gunmetal wheels. You know, the color infrared is just absolutely breathtaking in person. And then you crack it open and it has this really like Miami white interior. <laughs> Cocaine white. Very, very loaded. Like the MSRP, I think, was around 60K or so because it had like Levinson, it had a sunroof, it had the triple, the premium triple beam headlights. So the car was totally loaded. And it was an all wheel drive model, which yeah, I didn't, I wasn't expecting and I didn't know. Like, yeah, I walked around the back of it and I was like, oh, okay, it's all wheel drive. I mean, here in the South, we don't have, like, it's hard to ever get an all wheel drive or a four wheel drive allocation of anything because we're just not usually necessary. You know, they dropped the car off one day at lunch and I, and I think I immediately was like, all right, let's take this thing out and see how it goes. So, you know, a lot of, the, I mean, all of the modern Toyota and Lexus products have the transmission learning logic that learns your driving style and kind of Absolutely, like shifts yeah. and adjusts. So the first time I took it out, I don't know who had the car before me, but they didn't drive it very aggressively. <laughs> so I take the car out. There's a lot of different types of roads around where I live. So I get the car out and, you know, let's be honest, like I put my foot down and the car was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> so I was like, man, this is rough. Like, this is no good. You know, this is this is not good. But I will say so I drove it like another hour. I took it back out at the end of the day. I drove it around by day two. The transmission had definitely started to understand that I was driving differently. And that's where I yeah. really started to fall in love with the car, actually. And I, I totally wasn't hmm. expecting that because at first the transmission response was just so laggy. I mean, even in like sport or sport plus, I was like, man, this is not right. What's going on here? Like I, I there's seriously, I was like our, you know, our Camry XSE V6 could like dust this thing. But <laughs> as time went on and the car sort of picked up and responded to how I drive, I absolutely loved driving it. I loved yeah. driving it. And uh, when I was 
coming away from the car at the end of the week, the thing I was thinking was, we know that the market for passenger cars and especially the market for coupes is shrinking. But if you are a person who really wants a coupe, that RC is a really great car. Like, I'm not going to tell mm. you that there's not faster cars or more technologically updated cars or any of those things. Right. But that RC was a really great car to live with every day. And it, it kind of has a dual personality, um, especially being an F Sport model and having the ABS package, I believe, where you can put it in Sport and Sport Plus. Like day to day, it's just a Lexus. Like it's smooth, it's comfortable, it's easy to drive. And I know you guys have heard me talk about this several times, but the roads here in Atlanta are not good. And, you know, for a sporty car on 19 inch wheels, it drove really nicely, really, really smooth. And it really, it really surprised me. But, you know, when you kind of want to be a little bit more spirited and you flip it in Sport or Sport Plus, the car responds really well. And I think part of that, too, was being all wheel drive, like F Sport all wheel drive in Sport Plus. Like it sticks like crazy. I don't <laughs> I don't know yeah. the last time I drove yeah. a car that honestly had that much grip. Um, right. You know, there, there are a couple little things like I did find that CarPlay was a little bit sort of laggy. Like there's certain times yeah. where like it doesn't respond as much or there's certain times where like I'd plug in my phone and go to pull up a playlist and like sometimes the playlist would be grayed out and like wouldn't respond and wouldn't play. <laughs> and, yeah. And actually the same thing happened on the IS 500 a couple of times too. But over the week, I just, I kind of came to this mental space of like, if you really want a coupe, this is a really great car to live with every day. Really easy. Like it's fun. You know, it's an RC, you know, it's going to be reliable. It drives like a Lexus most of the time. And when you want to get on it and have some fun, the car responds to it and does really well. And I know that a lot of people have specific feelings about like the six speed and the eight speed. It's been a while since I drove like an IS350 or something like that, because like, we sold our or traded ours in in February. And obviously the all wheel drive model has the older six speed and the rear wheel drive models have the eight speed. But yeah. I will tell you that once the car adjusted to my driving style and responded to inputs better, that six speed, I think, can be like pretty savage. Like you put mm. your foot down in that car and because the gears, like there's fewer gears and they kind of run a little bit longer, obviously, like you put your foot down in the car, it doesn't have to like hesitate or think about what gear it wants to be in, I guess, because there's too fewer of them. But mm -hmm. I got to a point where it was like, damn, like this thing, <laughs> this thing will get up and go and snap around fast. And I don't recall the last eight speed product I drove being quite that snappy and that quick to downshift and move. That was one of the things I was curious about. I was wondering what you thought about the 2GR engine in uh, 2021 and if it's still a, a competitive engine. You know, we talk a lot of smack about the 2GR on this, on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we do. And I get it, right? I mean, the engine's been around so long. When I was driving that RC, I thought a lot about some other stuff like, you know, the BMW 430i and the Mercedes C300 coupe and stuff like that. And again, like, I'm not going to tell you that those cars aren't faster. I think they certainly are. But there's definitely points where when you get out on a road where you just kind of like put your foot down and you have a naturally aspirated V6 that revs like that one does. I mean, it's a lot of fun and turbos just don't provide that experience. It's not right. like, you know, we know this, but it's like they're not is linear, you know, having that power delivery up high in a performance car is really fun. I We joke about the 2GR, but now that we're sort of at this point in history where we know that it's going away and it's about to be gone, I, I do think people will look back on it, maybe not as fondly as the 2JZ, but I think 10 years from now when everything has turbocharged four cylinders and hybrids, we're going to be like, 
Man, that really actually was a great engine. <laughs> that thing is bulletproof and it's proven it. I, I wanted to get back to what you were saying about the way that the RC and RCF were built, because it's such an interesting story. The way that uh, Lexus had intended to build an RC convertible and then due to dealer feedback, they decided to instead go in a different direction and drop the project. And yet here we have the RC with the extra weight of that tub from the ISC. And it really did hamper that vehicle and it continued to hamper it. I I, I definitely agree with you in terms of uh, day-to-day driving. It's it's always been a wonderful car. Well, any Lexus has a, a character that always reflects really well to that day-to-day rush hour, stop and go traffic. The luxury has always been there. But, you know, in terms of its performance and and its ability to compete in racing, I know that was a really big issue with the RC uh, in terms of getting into IMSA and and everything like that. They really had to re-engineer a lot of that stuff. But it's just a really curious vehicle in that it was built in a specific way for a specific type of variant. And then they never did it. And I think that's just a really interesting side note to this vehicle. There's such a disconnect, I think, between automotive media and Toyota and Lexus. And there's a specific mm-hmm. reason for that. Like, you know, there there are a couple cars that overcome that, like the Supra and maybe like some of the TRD Pro products that are enthusiast minded. But I say that because more now so than ever, I think automotive news is reflective of all the other news that we all consume. Right. And I don't really watch the news anymore mm. for that reason. Everything like everything is headline driven. Everything is clickbait driven. And so, you know, like when you come up with a catchy headline that kind of like craps on a car or comes up with an angle that somebody else didn't think about, what happens? Like, you know, it goes viral on social media. People jump in the comments. And then if they're in the comments, they want to go read the story. So it's like we have this very sort of like vicious cycle for a media model, in my opinion, Mm. And yeah. and I think like being in Plano and listening to some of the media, like how they were talking about coming out of the TLX drive and then thinking like some of the other things that they were saying, it's just like social media in a sense where it's like everything is about like point in time headlines. And I yes. don't think that Toyota mm-hmm. and Lexus has ever been a company that builds products that shine in that environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, interesting. if you're an automotive writer and let's say that you go from the new Cadillac Escalade to, you know, reviewing the BMW M5 CS and the next thing that you're going to do is review an RC 350 F Sport. Yeah. What do you think? Like, what do you think your your take is going to be? Your take <laughs> is going to be like, it's slow. It's not nice enough. It's not luxurious enough. And it's not updated enough. In comparison to the Escalade and the M5, you're right. But but like what automotive journalism doesn't ever really take into account is longer form aspects of ownership, like dependability and reliability and long term quality. And I think that if you ask any Toyota or Lexus owner or buyer, like what made you choose this car? I can tell you at least two, if not all three of those things will be in their top five criteria. Absolutely. So when I was saying like thinking about that RC and thinking about the person who buys it, that's where I was like, yeah, there's a there's a much smaller market of people who buy coupes now. But if you are a person who wants a coupe and you you're the type of person who's like, I want a car that looks good, performs well and is 
going to last me for like 10 plus years with no problem, which I know sounds crazy saying yeah. that in the current automotive mar- market, but there's a lot of people who feel that way. They're really Absolutely. are. Yeah. Like that there, like the RC is your car. Like the four series is not your car. The C-class coupe is not your car. Like the RC has all those things and it looks good and it performs well. Like that aspect of what it's really like to own a car is not something that's ever really captured in automotive media, in my opinion, because it's not ownership focused. And like, right. You, you know, you and I, like the last time you bought a car, the last time I bought a car, it was like, well, what are the things I have to think about? I have a very low tolerance for car problems, like having to pull over and deal with, you know, being towed or taking a car to a dealership or going on a road trip and feeling like I don't know if I'm going to make it to the other side. That is not my vibe. And I will give up CarPlay and turbos and everything else to be (laughs) able to get that. So, you know, we're a specific subset of the automotive market, but are we really that specific? Because yeah. there's a lot of pe- like there's more people who buy Toyotas than any other mainstream brand. And, you know, Lexus is right up there at the top. So I know it's like a little bit of a rant, but I just think like that's I came away feeling that same way after driving the RC of like, this is such a great car. Like this is really a great car and it hasn't gotten a lot of great press, but I don't know that like the press the car has gotten is reflective of the person who actually goes and buys an RC. Absolutely. I think that you really hit on definitely one of my major issues. And one of the really one of the the key aspects of running Lexus Enthusiast is to provide a more balanced view because it's either very positive or very negative. There's never mm-hmm. anything that's there's no balance in automotive media. That's definitely when you start to get into that, it definitely starts to sound like a rant. But you also have to figure that the majority of people just like any anything, the majority of people just want things to work. And that is such an important thing for people. And there's no way to reflect that in automotive media. At the same time, as much as we want to, you know, rake their, their feet over the coals, there's just no time. People aren't interested in reading about reliability. And that's that's really the problem. Yeah. I mean, how does dependability work for you for a headline for a news yeah. story? You know, like <laughs> It's so dependable, like 100,000 miles with no problems versus like, you know, zero to 60 in like 3.5 seconds. And then like over the course of of your week with the RC, what did you drive? Like a thousand, a thousand miles, maybe? Yeah, um, I think I drove about 500, which, you know, for right now, I think in quarantine world is actually probably a lot. How do you decide about a car in 500 miles? Exactly. It's just not possible. I understand like the RC is not a car that's going to you know, generate a whole bunch of like love from people and, you know, the automotive media may never do it, but I can tell you that there's going to be a number of people who, yeah, I want a coupe. Like I want something that feels special and feels fun. And it's going to also last me for 10 years. And I don't want to undersell those people. And the other thing I would say too, that will be absolute, you know, foolish to a lot of people listening. This is at the end of the week, I would rather have an RC than a Supra. Hmm. Well, I know they don't really compete. You know, you're looking at $60,000 one way or $60,000 the other way. And I know that the Supra is a sports car and the RC is, you know, a luxury coupe. But like I mentioned when I was in Plano, like the Supra wasn't very comfortable for me. Uh, It's not a comfortable, like I couldn't see living with that car every day. The other part of it was the whole, the entire interior of the Supra is black. You can only get black. It's a basic looking BMW grade interior, which I think is perfectly fine because that car is not about the interior. Yeah. But if I was looking at it and I was like, you know, I have $60,000 to spend and I want to get a coupe and something that's going to feel kind of special. I actually would tell you I'd rather have the RC after living with it for a week. 
I definitely share your feelings, but I think the Supra as a third vehicle is killer, but <laughs> as like a day to day driver, no, thank you. That's for people much younger than me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And people much like shorter and smaller. Than me, <laughs> Skinny teenagers. Right. And then, so you also, and you mentioned it briefly and so did I, you also had some time with the IS 500, but this is a funny story. Do you want to kind of break it down for us? Yes. So we do. We do have an IS 500. Thank you again to Lexus. They contacted us and we're like, hey, we would you know, we want you guys to have the car and have an opportunity to drive it and enjoy it. And that we did. So they dropped the car (laughs) off. We had it for about three days total. And unfortunately, if you've been following the IS 500, we can't quite talk about it yet. I think we have about a month to go before the embargo drops. Yeah. But I think I can say this and not get in trouble. All (laughs) of the... (laughs) All of the comparisons to the IS 500 have been that I've read and seen have been in comparison to the original ISF and the RCF. I will tell you that you should think long and hard about platforms and mechanicals and hardware, and you will learn that those are not the two best cars to compare to the IS 500. So I'll leave it at that and we'll say more about it in our review when we can. Yeah, you don't want to spoil the hook for your review, right? Right. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble either. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's another thing. You you want them to continue to drop off IS 500s at your door. <laughs> right. Anytime. Lexus, if you're listening to this, I will drive an IS 500 if it's pink. I don't care. <laughs> I am curious, though. Like, We're obviously allowed to discuss, you know, its appearance and, and probably even the fit and finish of it. How does it compare to the standard IS 350? Uh. So I'll start with the exterior. There are definitely some things about the outside of the car that are really different from the standard IS. The hood bulge is one of them. It's it is noticeable the minute that you look at the car. You like you can tell, oh, that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of discussion about the wheels, and I mentioned this on the Lexus Enthusiast Forum because a couple people were asking about it. First, the IS 500 was shown and it has sort of like that dual split five spoke wheel. Right. And then yep. after it was the launch edition. And a lot of people, I think myself included, when we saw the wheels on the standard car, were like, what's that about? (laughs) (laughs) But I will tell you that after a couple days with the car, the wheels are one of my favorite parts. In person, (laughs) they are absolutely beautiful. Uh, The rears are more concave than the fronts. The wheel kind of has a layered split five spoke appearance that you don't really get as much in in pictures. But when you see it in person, it's a it's a really striking and really, really beautiful wheel. You know, the front end's a little bit different because of the hood bulge. The wheels are definitely different. And then, of course, the back end of it is different with the stacked quad exhaust. But you definitely have to know what you're looking for to notice. I will say that when Lexus dropped it off and they dropped it off at like 10 and I took it out of my lunch break at like 12, I was sitting at a light and I was the front car at the light. And on the other side of the light, there was a guy in an Alfa Romeo, uh, Julia, I'm going to butcher this, but like Quadrifolio, Quadrifolio, the high high performance one. Yeah. And I just kind of was sitting there. So he was going the other way and he drove by and like put his window down and kind of like pointed at the car and gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> oh, like, wow. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, you know, coming from a guy in an Alfa Romeo Julia, I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then actually there was another guy I was driving actually really close to my house in a C43 AMG and mm. he put his window down and kind of like looked at the car and kind of gave me a thumbs up. So 
There's yeah. definitely enough about the exterior that if you know what you're looking for, it's a special looking car. It really yeah. is. And like, you know, I, I think you and I are the same way with this. Like, I'm not super flashy. I don't need mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that I need like all the flash and go of an F car with like spoilers and fender vents and things. Yeah. So I, I really like that element of it, that the car is kind of understated. Yeah, I love the sleeper aspect of it. But I mean, I have to say these new IS sedans, all of them are beautiful. They are. Mm-hmm. They're shockingly good looking. On they the really are. Yeah, they really, like, really are. I would have never said that from the original photos. I mean, I liked it, but I mean, in real life, this car is it is a real looker. And I really love the, uh, the aspects that what you're talking about. It's a little bit different, but not enough to draw the wrong kind of attention. Exactly. And that's my feeling about full-blown F cars is that you really do stand out. They are so obviously ready to go. And that's not Mm -hmm. always like, you know, if you're driving at like 8.30 to go get a cup of coffee, that's not really what you want, right? Right. So I do love the balance of it, right? And I think balance is definitely a key characteristic of Lexus vehicles. And I do like what they've been able to achieve. And I, I am hopeful for them to continue to build on this F Sport Performance brand. I won't say more than this, but I think your latter point about balance is very wise and very well taken. <laughs> I did not drive the IS 500. I am just spit right. So you can say whatever you want. <laughs> I think that it was awesome. Right. <laughs> so when can we talk about that car next month? You said, yeah, I think it's like September 20th. I have to look back at what I agreed to. Yeah. So we've still got a couple podcasts before we can talk about that, but, and there is something else coming up in September. Yeah. Yeah. We are going out to Phoenix to drive the new NX, the IS 500 official press drive, and then the refreshed ES. So they're doing Ooh, all wow. of them in one event. So all together. Yeah, I'm excited. I've never been to Arizona before either, so that'll be fun. I only been in Arizona right on the border of Nevada, and I just crossed over. I was attending a race down in Laughlin, which is Mm. like two hours outside of Las Vegas, and I went over there and was driving around in the desert, but that was the only time I've ever been in Arizona. Anything I should look for? (laughs) There was a In-N-Out burger there. (laughs) I know you people love that. I've actually never had it before, so maybe I will try that. You should try it. Definitely take one of those IS 500s out to uh, the In-N-Out Burger. Wait, you you do like junk food though, don't you? Oh, I do. I like fast food. food. I think you told me this one. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. If I'm out there and I see one, I'll try it in your honor. Yep. Definitely have to try it. So what we can end on the In-N-Out Burger note in an IS 500. (laughs) It it seems very fitting for this podcast. You know, if you want to read more about the RC 350 F Sport, we're going to be publishing that article this week with some pictures and things about what it was like to live with and the things that we liked or the things we thought could be a little bit better. So look out for that. I think we only have maybe one or two more podcasts between now and the time that we can talk about the IS 500. So we're excited about that. Hopefully there's another little like trickle of LX news. So yeah, we'll see. But thanks for joining us this week. And we'll be back in two weeks on our regular schedule. So perfect. Thank you, everybody. Take care.